0: Kindly, won't we turn to our reading for today? Our reading for today comes from the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2 from verse 1 to 5. Habakkuk chapter 2 from verse 1 to 5. And I read from the ESV version. I will take my stand at my watchpost. And station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me write the vision and make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, Wait for it. It surely will come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own. All peoples. And that is God's word. Thanks be to God. Allow me to invite our very own Reverend Kasim to pick up from where he left off. Karibu Sana Makofi, Makofi Kwake, thank you. Kindly allow us to just pray for him and we begin. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we thank you so much for the privilege of sitting at your feet and hearing from your word. I ask that Rev Kasim would be in your hands what this microphone is in mine, to reverberate the very heart of God and to speak hope and speak your grace to your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen.
1: Good morning, um, church at home, church in the car, church in hospital, church wherever you are, because church is not closed. It's only gates and church buildings that are temporarily uh, closed, but church is not closed. So I want to thank you very much for uh, listening to us this morning. Our message today is faith for waiting upon God. The faith that says that God will still do it again. We have been going through a series about God's hard answers for tough questions. Where was God when your world fell apart? That was a question that Habakkuk wrestled with 2,005 years ago and that was a question for last week when we were doing uh, chapter 1 of Habakkuk. And today's question would be how long can I wait? Oh Lord, have you been praying for a hard situation in your life or loved ones? Have you been wanting to see God change certain things and nothing seems to happen? This is the problem of an answered prayer. It is a great problem, and it is actually very perplexing. It is perplexes a, it perplexed a prophet that we call, that is a prophet called Habakkuk. Prophet Habakkuk, of course, as you know, and we said last time, lived in a time very similar to ours today, a day, a time when everything was going wrong. He lived uh, when there was a great national corruption and distress, when the nation and the land was filled with violence, with hatred, and with outbreaks of evil. His distress is re- reflected in the opening phrases of the book, chapter 1, verses 1 up to 4. But Habakkuk, being a child of God, knew very well that the thing to do with a problem is this to take it to God who hears. He has been, of course, doing that and has been praying about this problem, but no answer seems to come forth. His confusion, His confused and shocked heart, in bewilderment, cries out, Lord, how long do I have to keep this up, crying out to you like this? You do nothing about it, Lord. I have kept my eyes up for a change, waiting for an outbreak of revival. I've been watching for something to happen, yet nothing happens. Therefore, Lord, how long must I wait? Then God answered, Habakkuk. The amazing thing about this conversation between God and Habakkuk is that it's not addressed to people, but it's a dialogue between Habakkuk and God. It's a dialogue between man and God himself. That is why it is so up to date. Can I suggest that uh, if each one of us could be called Habakkuk, and each of us faces this problem from time to time, the problem of a delayed answer, the problem of a delayed explanation, because God answers later. But one thing we have come to know is that God is sovereign. He does not explain himself, and he gives no reasons for his actions, whatever he does. He provides hard answers quite often for the hard questions we shoot at him. God gave a hard answer to Habakkuk in um, chapter 1, verse 5, allowing the sinners. He said that I'm actually going to allow the sinners to inflict pain to the righteous. That's the answer. A very hard answer that Habakkuk could not understand. If you remember verse 5 in chapter 1 said, Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe it if it is told. Habakkuk comes face to face with this an apparently silent God. Who seems to say, Habakkuk, I have been answering your prayers. You accuse me of silence. But I have been silent. I have not been silent. You just do not know or understand my answer. I have been answering, but the answer is so different from what you expect that you will not even recognize it or believe it when I tell you. But let me tell you this, Habakkuk. This is my hand, an invisible hand that you have uh, been experiencing without seeing. I am working behind the scenes. Then Habakkuk went into a session of questioning the will of God. And he was asking God, then why? Now I know. So this is what you have been trying to do. But why? Why would you use the sinners to correct the the righteous? So he is questioning the will of God. This is why we stopped last Sunday. But in chapter 2, and I'm I'm not just asking myself, may the Lord teach me to gladly live within the will of God. In chapter 2, God gave a vision to Habakkuk. The vision was that my action will be seen in the outcome. I will act in my time. I will surely act, but in my time. In my own terms, I am dealing with your problem. I am. I am not silent. In this chapter, we have an answer expected by the prophet as returned by the Spirit of God to the complaint which the prophet made Uh, of the violences and victories of the Chaldeans in the close of chapter 1. So the answer is this. This is what God seems to say. I am going to do two things. First of all, I am going to deal with my own people. I have a way. First of all, I'll deal with my own people. There's something I'm doing with my own people, with with the believers. Number two, I will turn my eyes and wrath to your enemies to the enemies of the believer, to the enemies of the church, to the enemies of Israel. Although I am using them to be part of my purpose, don't worry about them. For now, concentrate on what I am doing to you. Later, I have something, and I will tell you from verse 9 all the way to the end, it is about the other people, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. But for now, Habakkuk, I want you to get this vision. What am I doing among yourselves. And this is the message today. We concentrate with the first part of, um, of, 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 of that vision. So allow me to expose the message of this first part of the vision in the context of faith that Habakkuk has been challenged to see and possess while God deals with his people. But before we get there, I want you to know what is it, the curiosity later that we are not dealing with? What is it that God will do later? He has four wars He says the non-believer, the evil doer, the one who enjoys doing evil has, is categorized. The heart of the evil doer is like the heart of Satan who influences them. And the heart of Satan has four characteristics. The greedy, the violent, the drunk, and the idolaters. That is the spirit of Satan which he has already given to Chaldeans, and because they were always ready to attack, I have just stayed away so that they can attack. But whatever the devil planned for evil, I have planned it for good. And I want to tell you, my listener, this morning, evil is always looking for us. Evil has always followed you since you were born. Cancer is always ready to strike. Diabetes is always ready to strike. Accidents or these rods that we use are always ready to strike. Beauty will be deformed any time. Only the restraining hand of God has kept us alive. And therefore God is not necessarily the one who sends the Chaldeans to come and torture you. God is not the one who sends people to come and torture you at your place of work. God is not the one who sends um, diseases. They are always there looking for us. He's always had the restraining hand that actually keeps us safe. This time... And some other times, he can stay away just a little bit so that he does not restrain that. Because then whatever the devil plans for evil, God plans it for good. So then, for you, Habakkuk, and the believers and the Israelites, concentrate on what I'm doing. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about why am I not punishing them. Don't worry about their, their evil. That is their life. I am concerned about you and how I can make you my beloved, holy and presentable before you. And therefore, you wake up, Habakkuk. Stop asking these very many questions. Catch this vision. And I want to suggest to you that I see four aspects of this vision, from verse 1 up to verse 4. Each verse seems to bring a new vision of a faith that Habakkuk is being challenged to capture. The first one in verse 1 is the resilient faith, and this will be a series of R. So verse 1, the resilient faith, and verse 2, a resolute faith in verse 2. Verse 3, we shall also see another faith, which I can call the remnant faith, the faith of the remnants. And then finally we, fi- we finish with verse 4, a respectful faith or the humility of faith. Quickly, if you can just go with me to the first verse. The first uh, faith, uh, aspect of faith, which I will suggest to you is a resilient faith. Faith that endures tests of life. And this is actually the faith for Habakkuk himself. First, before he can uh, see the faith that is expected of his uh, uh, believers, the Israelites. I will stand upon my watch as a se- sentinel on the walls of a besieged city. Or on the borders of an invaded country. I will Meaning... The the, the idea here is Abba Kuk is saying, now I get it. I am going to look up. I will look around. I will look within and and will watch to see what he will say. Because remember, God has already said, I will do something. So he wants to say, I want to wait for what the Lord will say to me. I will listen attentively to the words of his mouth and carefully observe the steps of his providence. That I may not lose the the least hint of instruction or direction. I will watch to see what he will say. Those that wait upon God, therefore brothers and sisters, must withdraw from the world and get above it. They must raise their attention. They must consult experiences and also the experienced. They cannot just stay. They cannot just sit there and lament. They will continue in fervent prayer and they will set themselves upon the tower like Habakkuk has decided to do. I will watch from the tower. Habakkuk standing upon his watch he intimates his patience, his constancy and resolutions. He will wait. The time. And whether the point, as a watchman does, but we will have an answer, he knows he will know what God will say to him while he is at the tower, not while he is lamenting, but while he has separated himself at the tower, he will receive from the Lord. That is what he says, not only for his own satisfaction, of course, but to enable him as a prophet to give satisfaction to others and answer their exceptions when he exceptions, when he is reproved or argued with. So herein the prophet is an example to us, I suggest to you, when we are tossed and and perplexed and confused with doubts concerning the methods of God's providence. Or even when we are tempted to think that it is fate or fortune, not a wise God. Because sometimes, my listener, we think that I was born to suffer. My family was cursed. I am not supposed to drive I am not supposed even to cycle. My family was just created to live like that. It is fate. I am like this because it is fate. Before you get there. Before you get there you need to understand we must stand upon our watch against the temptation that it may not get round around upon us. We must set ourselves upon the tower to see if we can discover that which the Lord will silence the temptation and solve objected difficulties. We must go into a sanctuary of God and the, and their labor to stand um, the end of the things like um, the psalmist says in 73 verse 17. When David says, I will direct my prayer unto thee, As an arrow to the mark. He adds, I will look up and will look after my prayer. As a man does after the arrow he has shot. Therefore a man throws. And he follows where the arrow is going. So you shoot in prayer. But you stand in a watchtower to wait for the prayer. You see where the prayer is going. You don't just pray and go back to crying and lamentation. You pray and you follow like the arrow. And there herein, we understand these things. So God graciously gives Habakkuk the meeting. For he will not disappoint the believing expectations of his people that wait to hear that he will say unto them. But he will speak peace. He will answer them with good works and comfortable words. The prophet must write the vision, which is another aspect. So the first aspect, Habakkuk, you must have a resilient faith that waits for, a, for, a, for something that you do not know, that you're waiting for an answer that you have not idea of and you cannot even approximate. Number two, now tell these people they must have a resolute faith. Tell Israelites, tell those that are waiting, tell, tell the brethren in Kenya, in Uganda, in the U.S., wherever they are, tell the believer to have a resolute faith, a faith that writes never, for, never to forget. Thus, when St. John had a vision of the new Jerusalem, he was ordered to write in Revelation chapter 2, 21, verse 5. He must write it that he might imprint on it his own mind. And he he must make it more clear to himself, but especially that it might be notified to those in distant places and transmitted to those in future ages. So Habakkuk first has to see the vision. The vision given by God himself that the Messiah is coming to conquer and destroy the earth, the enemy of God's people, because he will surely show up. Habakkuk then, he has to make it known. That's what he is saying. He must, God wants Habakkuk to make it known. Speak it and create faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Many unspoken visions have become stale and they have been turned into lamentations because they were not made known. You must speak that which God speaks to you. Habakkuk has to make it known as permanently as possible. He must write it, even notes. He must take notes so that it does not fade away. Write it on tablets. It's a long-term vision. Divine visions last very long. Treasure them. Do not forget. Habakkuk has to make it plain. Make it as easy for for my hearers. Not complicate the gospel. We need a a very plain gospel. We need a gospel that is very, very easy. And Habakkuk has to make it very doable. Not that he who runs may read it, but he that may run who reads it. So the running, this vision must give a faith that runs. The activity and progress come forth from God's word. Paul talked about running a race. So we need a faith that hears and runs. A faith that values convictions and informs personal philosophy. That is the way of life. A faith that can be described like in the case of Paul. I have run the race. Not a static faith, but a running faith. Number three, verse three. We see a remnant faith. Faith that remains when time has elapsed. the, The prophecy serves the past, the present, and the future. And here... God seems to tell Abraham uh, Habakkuk, "The vision is yet for an appointed time to come. You shall now be told, you shall now be told of deliverance by the breaking of the Chaldean's prayer power, and that the time of it fixed is fixed in the decree of God. There is an appointed time, but it is not near. It is yet to be deferred, probably a great while. And that comes in here as a reason why it must be written, therefore. So that afterwards the event may be compared to it. So God has an appointed time for his appointed work, and will sure do that one work when the time comes. It is not for us to anticipate his appointments, but to wait for his time. As it is a great encouragement to wait with patience, and though the desired answer may seem to tarry, it will come at last and be an abundant recovery for us for those who are waiting. My father waited for long before he could get married. And as you see me here, I was born when my father was exactly 68 68 years of age. At 68 is when I was born of my father. But here I am, a source of encouragement. There is the faith of waiting. God may seem to take longer, but he will surely come. At the end, he shall speak, And it shall not lie. The the prophet here seems to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will come one day. And he will speak. He saw a vision of a new dispensation. A vision of a new grace. A vision of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Who encourages us when we feel lost. When we feel that we are already discouraged. And that will speak and it will never lie. Therefore, this vision, the accomplishment of which is so long waited for, will be such an exercise of faith. And the patience as will try and discover me, men when they are and what they are. Suffering and waiting will expose what you are made of, the material that you are made of. And therefore, God seems to tell Habakkuk I am doing something. Although I may use the sinners this time, another day I may use the saints to bless you, but I'll also use sinners, I'll use evil people, I'll use evil circumstances, I can use corona, I can use cancer, I can use anything. But it's always for you. But that suffering will bring out the material you're made of. And then he talks finally about the respectful or humble faith. So at this point he says, I have two groups of people, the righteous and the proud. The proud receive from God very soon after, then their pride points their accomplishments to, to their efforts. God hates the pride of life, which I may suggest L. So here, the discussion here is about the pride of life. The pride of life God hates. He comes to clarify in verse 4, which we are ending with, that there are two people, the proud and the humble. The just and the proud or the evil. So those who are proud, they receive from God, but soon forget they attribute their accomplishments to their own effort. But those who are humble will always surrender to God. So this is a faith that submits. It's a faith that submits, that looks up to God. In the concept of a pride of life, I would like you to get this very clearly. Especially, it's actually linked with the lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh. And it appears in two uh, passages uh, of of Scripture that we find in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 to 10, and also John chapter 2, verse 15 to 16. We have actually two examples. We realize that when Eve at the Garden of uh, Eden received, when Adam received A vision from God to remain humble and not to eat of the forbidden fruit. Another spirit from Satan came to her and it gave her what I am describing as the P-O-L, the pride of life. It actually gave her three things. She liked the the fruit because first of all, it looked very appetizing. The fruit was very appetizing. That is the last of the flesh. It, she was looking for satisfaction because the fruit was very appetizing. Number two, the fruit was looked very pleasing. It looked beautiful. That is aesthetics. Is the question of having the question of possessing? It is actually the last of the eye, which John, First John chapter two verse sixteen talks about the last of the flesh and the last of the eye. So during trials and temptations, where is your complaint? Are you complaining that you don't have a car because you find cars to be very nice or because you feel that cars satisfy? Is it because of the satisfaction of this flesh that we tend to remain longer in sin? The pride of life is described in that kind of a story in Eden. Satisfaction, ownership, and finally the pride of life. Which Eve seems to have received she says the devil says god wants you to be he doesn't want you to be like him i want you to desire to be like him so eve wanted to be like god she transferred to adam they want to be like god above your status everything we want to be above our status we want to operate above our status and this is the pride of life so god has a problem with pride but the humble Seek their satisfaction, not from cars, not from riches, not from beauty, but they get their satisfaction from the Lord. And therefore Habakkuk comes to this realization that we need a faith, a faith that is respectful, a faith that looks up to God, the humility of faith. And even as we come to the end, I want to suggest this, that surely my, my brothers and sisters, we come to a point that we know that the righteous shall live by faith. They will stand upon a resilient faith, a resolute faith. They will actually experience a remnant faith that sustains them when every, everything else has elapsed, elapsed, when the time has elapsed and it has gone, they will stand upon a faith for the remnant. When everybody else has gone to the witch doctors, when everybody else has gone to the sin, they will remain there they will remain with a god who will not tarry. his appointed time is coming and should i find it taking longer his grace is sufficient for me so the faith-filled believer learns to sing victory songs like a dry coach who sings a song through it all he says i've had many tears and sorrows have had questions for today and tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation. That my trials come to only make me strong. And, he's, and he sings a song, a chorus that's very nice. Through it all. Gijo, if you can help me sing this just briefly. And all of you, join us where you are. You can stand up or you can sit and we just sing together. Through it all. Through it all. They're like, through it all. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I have learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word, which is actually the vision. The vision of Habakkuk was the word of God. To depend upon the vision. To depend upon the word of God. Because in his appointed time, he will come. I don't have to ask God the questions because it cannot be answered. He has his own time. He has his own methods. But through it all, I have now become wiser. I am not the lamenter anymore. I am not the complainant anymore. I am now wiser. Through it all, I have learned to trust in Jesus and to depend upon his words. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord watch over you. The Lord is good. He is coming and He's showing up. Thank you very much, uh, church at home, in hospital, in cars, everywhere. I want to thank you that you've been able to walk with us through the singing, through the worship and prayer, through checking out on one another. And you also bore with us as we share the Word of God. And now as we come to a close, I would invite you to just uh, raise your hands as I speak a blessing to you. And I know that the president has already released um, part of businesses to continue, I believe that the Lord was telling him that I will still protect my people. How I pray that even as you go back in some little way to work and uh, do businesses, that even these coronavirus numbers will not translate into any additionals. And whatever additionals will not be based on this because the Lord shall protect us. The Lord is good. And therefore, even as you go to work, as you do everything, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May the Lord be your portion on Monday. May the Lord protect you from the dangers of Tuesday. May Wednesday be a day of a testimony for you. May the Lord come through for you on Thursday. Even on Friday may the Lord shout I love you to you. On Saturday and Sunday may you show up again walk with us giving a testimony of victory in the name of God who is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit amen and now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now forever and ever amen amen God bless you it is well with you amen